Well, after a short work week for many, finally the weekend is here. I expected the snow to be blanketing us as well at this point, but not yet. It is still in the forecast. This the first weekend coming up in the new year, and after being so busy and hectic over the holidays, it might seem a little slower paced, but perhaps it'll give you time to get uh, cracking on that New Year's resolution. Maybe start a new book if you had a goal of reading more books this year. Now's your chance to get it started. Still going to be reasonably mild, too, this weekend. So if you want to do something outdoorsy and active to get some fresh air, maybe a hike, ice fishing, stick around. Jason Manity from GetFishing.ca, my guest later, talking about how unusual the ice fishing season has been so far with the milder weather. And, of course, how you have to be concerned about the thickness of the ice. Jason will join me next hour about ice fishing. He also said it's not far of a drive to catch a perch. I know of some people who love doing a deep clean of the house. Maybe that's on uh, the list of things to do this weekend. Or if you haven't taken down your Christmas tree yet, you might want to do that. Unless you're celebrating Ukrainian Christmas. However, it's kind of an usual this year too many chose to uh celebrate back on december 25th due to the russian heritage of having it two weeks later prairie uh prairie valley school division it got back to school yesterday so there are parents who were relieved of their duties yesterday (laughs) kind of glad to have them back right but public and catholic schools within the city are back next week And uh, as have uh, right now, at this very moment, whether you're driving to work, commuting on the highway, or even bouncing up and down later on the wheels of a school bus, you're still passing mostly bare lawns and pastures. Snow, as I mentioned, though, is in the forecast, expecting just over an inch and a half. And Matt, back to reality next week, too. Our first major cold snap, likely midweek next week. I see highs of minus 25 and lows of near minus 30. That will be bone chilling after what we have gone through these last few weeks. Can you imagine what that minus 25 is going to feel like? Yuck! Anyhow, as we prepare for the colder temperatures on the way, uh, there's some good news on the farm, right? The province's 12,000 cattle producers suggest they have been saving money on feed and energy costs this winter because of the balmy temperatures. This mild weather has saved some farmers on feed by letting them graze in pastures, the cattle, and straw is pretty costly too. Nice not to have to lay down the bedding for them to keep them extra warm as of late. In some farms, they suggest they save up to $2,500 a day on cattle feed. But still, there's not a single farmer out there who doesn't want some moisture to come in the form of either snow or some mammoth rains in the uh, spring and April there, but uh, there is snow coming. And when it starts falling in your neighborhood, make sure you text me, one 7275 Maybe it already is in rural Saskatchewan. Let me know, one 
16 games on the schedule. Three AFC spots are up for grabs. Two remain in the NFC, and that means nearly every game has meaning with some teams trying to get in, some hoping for a little help, others trying to improve their seating. And joining me now to talk about it all is Belton Johnson, our Green Zone analyst and Grey Cup chat. Belton, are you there? I'm here, Greg. a boy. Hey, Belton. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the technical difficulties. I'm new at this radio game. Anyhow, two games tomorrow. The early one features Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Steelers, playoff implications. In, in, in with a win, they're in with a win over the Ravens. And help. And maybe without a win, it, there's going to require a break or two. But where do you see this first game, Pittsburgh and Baltimore? Well, we know Baltimore is probably going to rest a lot of their stars, right? You know, uh, one of the MVP candidates, I believe, Lamar Jackson is not playing. So that kind of helps Pittsburgh. And, you know, what I see, Pittsburgh is one of those gritty, gutsy team, right? So I actually pit Pittsburgh to win this one, to be honest with you, Greg. Interesting. Yeah, well, the Ravens got a little depth, even if they do rest. But uh, I think you're right. If the Steelers win... They just need one of uh, these things to ha- these three things to happen to make the playoffs. The Bills lose to the Dolphins, or lose to the Titans, or the Texans Colts game ends in a tie. So there's a little hope for the Steelers. That's how crazy it is. And the, there's also a definitive win and you're in game between the Colts and Texans in the AFC South. The late game tomorrow, uh, the winner secures a playoff spot where the loser uh, goes home. Uh, what do you think here? And and with that game, you know, I don't know. I I know it's played in Indy and everything, but you know, I, I like those underdog teams sometimes. And the Texans, you know, with C.J. Stroud there, quarterback, you know, Will Anderson on the defensive line. They got some young studs that they brought in from the draft, right? So I'm picking the Texans in that one to upset the Colts in Indianapolis. Gotcha. I'm writing this down. I'll keep tabs on you. So let's have a look at the marquee matchup Sunday. Uh, the Buccaneers, 8-8 eight and eight against the Panthers, who are 2-14. and 14. A win gives Tampa the NFC South crown, but a loss opens up the door for Atlanta or New Orleans to win the division, and they play one another. Any uh, idea how this one will go? Well, I mean, the Panthers are who they are, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> And I, I can't help but to pick the Buccaneers. Uh, just the Panthers have been a bad team the entire season, Greg. So in that one, I'm going with the Buccaneers. Packers and Browns, Green Bay has playoff implications. Win and earn a wild card spot, lose, and things get a little complicated. So can Jordan Love push them through? Uh, Bears are 5-2 and two the last seven. Yeah, and that that's going to be a tough one for Green Bay. But I like the fact that it is in Green Bay, but... You know, I'm kind of on the fence on that one. Just like you said, the Bears, they, uh, they've been pretty decent here down the road here, and they have a really good defense. I don't know if you paid attention to them, but, and their quarterback, Justin Fields, he can run around, make things happen, but I feel like I got to go with the Packers in this one at home in Lambeau there. You would think, but I actually think the Bears, you, you nailed it. Defense is going to upset on that one. Uh, Sunday's marquee matchup takes us to Miami where the Dolphins host the Bills. The Dolphins already clinching a playoff spot, but a win would make them AFC East champs and home field advantage. This one is going to be interesting, isn't it? Buffalo wins the AFC East title and second overall seed with a win. There's a lot on the line in this one. It's a lot, and I'm glad the NFL folks moved that one to the last game. It's the night game. There's 7.20 p.m., right? And 
you know, the Dolphins, yes, they've been good, but, you know, their only quality win, I'll say, came against who? Your Cowboys, Greg. Right? Yes. <laughs> when it, a winning team, right? So Buffalo, they've, they've found ways to get things done, and I, I'm thinking they're going to go down to South Beach and wreck that party for the Dolphins. Well, I think the Bills, well, they're probably still going to make the playoffs even with a loss, oh, but yeah. they need one of, well, one of these th- three things to happen in order. The Ravens beat the Steelers, or the Titans beat the Jags, or Texans-Colts ends in a tie. That makes it very likely Buffalo's headed back to the postseason, regardless of the result, I think, in uh, South Florida. But, man, it sure is fun. This, this, is a, this is a great weekend to go down to the wire like this. As a fan, it, it's been pretty fun. It's been very fun, and you know, just following everything, the all the little different scenarios it pulled up there. Like, and you know what? Anything can happen, right? So that's why they play the game. I got to tell you, as a Cowboys fan, uh, I don't like how these last few few weeks have gone for us. Uh, you know, the job by the refs was very advantageous against the Lions, but I'm a little concerned moving forward in the playoffs belt, and I'm not going to lie to you. Well, the Cowboys, they, they are a good team, right? You know, offensively, defensively, they got some things there, but um, I think it all comes down to – Mr. Dak Prescott, to be honest with you. When he's on, ain't nothing stopping the Cowboys, Greg. Okay, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to remind me. Uh, You'll be uh, catching up with Evan Bray on What's Eating, right, later on? That's right. We're doing Mississippi Pot Roast. (laughs) I do love your pot roast. (laughs) Melton Johnson, have a great NFL weekend, buddy. Have a good one there, Greg. Are you really? It looks like it's going to be another busy sports weekend for a lot of athletes and moms and dads pushing to get the kids to the rink on time. There's that big Jim Benning ringette tournament on over at the Cooperative Center. Of course, the Pats are hosting the league-leading Blades tonight, so the Real District will again be hopping, parking always at a premium. And, and don't forget, tomorrow morning, there's an indoor farmer's market as well. Hey, this last, uh, pardon me, this first week of the new year, we have spent uh, each day a little a moment or two reflecting uh, in politics of the last year, some of the highs and the lows. And this morning is no different. We're going to reflect on a rather eventful year for the Queen City. Senior reporter Lisa Schick sitting down with Mayor Sandra Masters to reflect. For Regina in 2023, Mayor Sandra Masters has a long list of highlights. Opening up uh, 120 Broad Street North, the RHI, the Rapid Housing Initiative, winning the RHI 3 money. Indigenous Really long. Did a boundary alteration. We have new landfill site. We did frost. She talks about revitalizing downtown, sports tourism in the city, and the opening this summer of Wascana Pool. And she did manage to have her grandkids there this summer. And I loved it because my son-in-law, who, they're from Saskatoon, who said, Saskatoon doesn't have anything like this I said I nope I said it's a honestly it was a it was a really well done site and that spray pad and the accessibility piece around it and not covering the red button thinking that kids wouldn't want to press it but you know a minor uh, a minor blip in in terms of when we had uh, far exceeded attendance 
giving something to the city that they can be proud of in that beautiful park space that we have is uh, that feels good. That's what city building's about. But with light, there is dark, and with highlights, there are lowlights. Clearly experienced Regina, a rebrand gone completely wrong. The thing that came out of it for me, and the lesson learned for me, was that brand matters to the city of Regina, like to the, to the residents of Regina, their brand matters, and that from a cultural standpoint, we've got work to do. There was also the tent encampment that grew on City Hall's lawn as almost a protest, saying the city wasn't doing enough about homelessness. That particular experience, I think, was was really difficult for everybody. Masters and the city were roundly criticized for how it was handled, but now, months later, Masters says whether a person thinks it was handled properly depends on who you ask. We had multiple community-based organizations doing outreach, social services out every day, and they didn't want to be spoken to. And so I'm not sure of another way that it would have worked out if you can't get folks to go back to where they're living or go back to the shelter or to connect to services. In the coming year, there is a municipal election, but Masters won't say whether she's running again. The reason I won't answer that is simply because I was elected for four years and I think I should proceed to govern for four years. And so uh, nobody else has to announce until I think a few weeks out. So I'm not sure why. <laughs> Uh, why I have to. She says there are things she still wants to work on in the coming year. What I don't want to do is put a pause in making decisions and putting a pause in frankly making tough decisions because it wouldn't be politically expedient to do so. Masters hopes to continue planning for the future in 2024. As for fears in the new year, well, she doesn't focus on those. At Regina City Hall, Lisa Schick, 980 CJME. Thank you, Lisa and Mayor Masters. I appreciate it. Coming up with Kevin uh, Martell again here at the uh, bottom of the hour. A new year brings a new ATM theft. This one uh, in Paradise Hill, which is uh, west of North Battleford. I guess a little closer to even Lloyd Minster there, but rural theft again. How they did it, what we know at uh, 6.30. Loads of trades in the WHL this week. Moose Jaw snagging uh, Buffalo Sabres prospect Matthew Savoy. He's coming off of the World Juniors. What did the Warriors now have? Three World Juniors on their team? Warriors GM Jason Ripplinger, after requiring Savoy, said it took seven draft picks, but it's worth it. Well, it wasn't a hard decision. Put a lot of thought into it. Obviously, when you make a trade like this and give up that many uh, draft picks, uh, we have a plan moving forward, and we're going to stick with it. So that this year, uh, our goal is to, to try to win a championship. Uh, for not giving any roster players, uh, you know, you take away your three 20-year-olds and and then probably the three 19-year-olds, and your whole team's back next year, including your goalie, which is uh, is real big for us next year uh, moving forward. Yeah, building champions there, boy, that is incredible. Savoy won't be in the lineup yet for the Warriors next week for sure. Moose Jaw at home tonight against the Raiders. Tomorrow night, the Warriors are in Swift Current, where the Broncos shook things up. You folks in Swift Current probably loving this. Phoenix Coyotes prospect, Connor Geeky. He has almost 50 points on the season now. And then, of course, there are the Blades who are leading the league. They loaded up earlier in the week, and they are in town tonight to take on the Regina Pats. Oh, and in the NHL, the two Connors have made the NHL's Western Conference All-Star team. That announcement came late yesterday. No surprise. Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard 
have been picked. Bedard will be the youngest player at the All-Star game uh, when the puck drops February 3rd. Speaking of NHL, Stanley Cup obsession. Uh, I don't want to talk about the NHL's obsession with the Stanley Cup, but the Stanley Cup obsession. Are you aware of this? The ginormous sippy cup that's all the rage right now. Both my girls wanted one for Christmas. And their friends did as well. It might, it was. I think it was the number one gift of Christmas. And stateside, the new Starbucks pink model went on sale yesterday. They had people lining up like it was Black Friday at an electronic store. Before the doors even opened, there were fights between people arguing who was in the front of the line. Yeah, you have to you. get to the end of the line. There was no line. There is a you line. You were in a circle over here. Because we already knew. Then there is the, this chaos. A man is tackled by customers jumping over the Starbucks counter inside the Target to get these pink Stanley's. Get him! Get him! Stop him! Stop him! Stop him! Look at this. is insane. Look at this. <laughs> they tackled the guy. Oh, The limited edition model yesterday that went on sale stateside was 50 U.S. dollars at Starbucks in Target's. And they sold out almost immediately, and uh, within hours, hundreds of them showing up on eBay for hundreds of dollars. Stanley Quenchers, they have soared in popularity in recent years, and it's all thanks to a total rethink of the product, which has been around for a hundred years. The company really benefited from the, the appointment of a guy by the name of Terrence Riley, who helped lead the revival of footwear maker Crocs. I thought Crocs were dead years ago, and I bet you did too, but... You know as well as I do. If you have kids, in particular boys, they're probably wearing them to the rink this weekend. Anyhow, as Stanley's new president, the former Crocs guy who turned the shoes from cringy to cool would lead Stanley to release these 40-ounce cups in all sorts of bright colors, all targeting women. And that made them especially popular among Instagram users. And voila, supercharged sales the last year. Stanley's annual sales for the last year are expected to top $750 million. Only a couple of years ago, the company was calling it a good year if they made $73 million. The obsession of the Stanley Cup is unreal. The closest I came to obsessing over cups like this was when I was a kid. Remember McDonald's had collector's cups a lot of the time? I think it was the Muppets in the early 80s. They were promoting a Muppet movie. And I wanted all of the Muppet glasses. Of course, years later, we would figure out that uh, they were uh, painted with lead. And the more you washed them, the more it was dangerous to drink out of them. <laughs> but given how many people want to collect all these different colored Stanleys at 50 bucks or more a pop nowadays, maybe it's time fast food restaurants bring back the collectible character glasses. This time without lead poisoning, please. How many Stanleys in your household? I count three. There might be a fourth, too, I think, now that I think about it in my household. How many in yours this Christmas? one 300 7275. Shoot me a text if you're as crazy over these Stanleys as my kids are right now. It's 627.